Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Heal with Cat podcast. I am loving showing up whenever it feels divinely right and whenever it feels aligned and whenever I feel that I have something really, really on my heart to talk about. And I'm sitting here, I'm actually at my boyfriend's desk today. He's sick, so he's in the bedroom where my desk is and it's nice to be in a bit of a different space um he's got like a like a proper desk and a desk chair and he's got like a view outside and my desk is like facing the wall and it's like not really you know the reality of living in a two-bedroom apartment but it's really nice to be able to be in a different space and we're also in a new energy so we are finally in the energy of the new energetic or astrological year. April is always a really exciting time for anyone who's really sensitive to energies or follows more of the astrological calendar rather than following their Gregorian traditional calendar. I talked a little bit about that on my last episode, but yeah, just it feels good to be in this energy. And it's interesting because for like the last week, I've just been in this place of really seeing how in the winter time I was like in hibernation within myself and I was experimenting with launching different programs some worked some didn't I was experimenting with the idea of changing my business some ideas stuck some are still evolving some didn't stick at all and what I love about Aries season, the new spring season, the new year, all of this energy that we're in right now, it's really representative of the slow and steady, um, best way I want to say it is like the slow and steady release into the new year. So everyone always wants to like bust the door open on a new year's eve or new Year's season and just be like, I'm here world. Like hear me roar like I'm here, but that's really not the energy that I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like we had some intense and powerful, you know, kind of portals, if you want to call them, or like energetic gateways that we came into with the new year. And with Pluto moving into Aquarius, um, you know, it was in Capricorn since 2008 and Capricorn's energy is so different than Aquarius. And we're getting a taste of what this cosmic eight plus year long shift is going to look like with Pluto and Aquarius, but we're going to see Pluto retrograde back into Capricorn very soon here um, for quite a while, a few weeks. And then we'll kind of be back in that Pluto and Capricorn energy until we spring forward into that new new Pluto and Aquarius. So what the heck does that even mean if you don't follow astrology? Things are going to feel a little back and forth and bumpy until about June or July. And then I feel like everything's really going to start coming into center and things are going to be more consistent and more stable. And we're really going to start feeling this new year energy in like a more profound way. Right now, we're just kind of We're not busting down the door right now. We're just kind of making our way through in a slow and steady glide, you know, like a nice uh, sexy walk down the astrological calendar, but we're not running yet. So with that, um, 
of course, I've been in, in a lot of really deep reflection of where I've been since 2008, or even where I've been in the last two or three years. And as many of you know, I've opened up about this on my Instagram and um, even, you know, in my newsletter, I am, I entered this new chapter of my healing journey back in like October. And it was the first time I had accepted the opportunity to really dive into the mother wound. And I actually didn't even realize I had the mother wound until I'm going to say like last year. I had an idea that maybe things weren't always healthy or aligned for like truth all the time with the mother wound and my relationship with my mom and kind of the maternal lineage. Of course, like I was still in very much the maiden archetype. Like I wasn't really being initiated into what I even wanted to be as a mother, what that looked like for me. And I started taking on a lot of clients who were either healing the mother wound or were mothers themselves and it was like the universe was sprinkling me with these little nuggets of aha moments and of course by definition i know what the mother wound is right but like i have to know what that is in order to help my clients but i hadn't yet been ready to go there on my own journey and i hadn't seen what i needed to see until very recently and so in that uncovering of where the mother wound is really affecting me and in my heart and my womb i have been shaken up to the way the mother wound has affected my my root chakra and allowing myself to see the allowing myself to make the unconscious conscious now i'm going to preface something I'm going to preface this entire podcast episode by saying, I don't expect my parents to be perfect anymore. There was a time in my life where I wanted my parents to be the perfect parents. I was very much in that validation victim mindset of my parents did this and that, and I'm mad at them. And you know, why they do this to me? And then you kind of just hopefully evolve and grow out of that. And you say, you know, my parents did the best they could. With the tools that they had and i'm not responsible for what happened to me but it is my responsibility to heal it and even though it's painful i'm gonna heal it so that's kind of the energy that i hold with parents and so i want you to know that um and you may feel this way expecting our parents to be exactly what we need actually goes against our spiritual journey as a human being We choose our parents for many reasons before we come back into these physical bodies. And majority of the time, our parents are there to help us grow and evolve and learn things about ourselves in service to our truth. And for a lot of us, that looks like our parents, well, for a lot of us, it looks like us realizing where our parents fell short first before we acknowledge where our parents went right for a lot of us but not for all of us and you hear more and more these days of people who are estranged from their families and children making the choices to 
consciously move away from the family system in order to find their own peace, their own truth, their self, their own self-acceptance or love. And there's a reason for why everyone makes choices like that. And I will say that people don't make decisions like that lightly. That is not the first choice people have when they're estranging from their families. That's usually the last and final choice. And it's usually the choice they put off for a long, 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 long time. So I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but what I mean to say is in this episode, I'm going to speak openly and honestly about my relationship with my father. Obviously, this is a podcast episode about the father wound. And I will speak openly about my relationship with the mother wound right now and what I'm learning about myself in relation to the mother wound and the father wound. And my intention is not to give anyone the impression that I don't love my parents, that I don't accept them for who they are, that I don't see them and their their stories and their traumas and their experiences and have compassion and forgiveness for them. In some ways, I'm still learning forgiveness, but I can always have compassion. And one day I will have children and I'm sure that I will do my damnedest to be the best parent I can be. And I will still fall short in some ways because my children, just like I chose my parents, my children will choose me in order to learn certain lessons, evolve and grow. And I really, I hold this belief that every generation on a very collective and grand scale is healing something from the past generation. Like I'm a millennial, I'm 32. In my grandparents' generation, it was very okay and accepted and actually societally encouraged to physically abuse or beat or discipline your children through like spanking and like the belt, right? Or the whip, like that was normal. Nowadays, societally on a collective general scale, like that is deeply, deeply looked down upon and it's borderline like, physical, well, it's not borderline, it's physical abuse and it's borderline illegal. Like, I don't know the legalities of it, but I know that it's basically, you know, I'm no lawyer, but it's definitely crossing a legal line. So we have to trust that even though our parents may not have been exactly what we needed them to be, they may have been too busy stopping the patterns of physical abuse but in the, in the process of that, they fell short in the emotional abuse. And millennials in my generation, we are understanding emotional safety and security and understanding the nervous system. And maybe we're going to focus so much on that that we may miss out on teaching our children how to connect with spirituality or their higher selves or Mother Earth or whatever it is. So we just have to trust that we chose our parents just like our children are going to choose us to come in and learn certain lessons and we can find in the in-between love and acceptance for them regardless of how much they felt fell short or how much they they came through for us so a little bit of a tangent before we get started but today's episode is all about the father wound and you know like i said i'm sure you've heard me speak plenty about the mother wound lately and it's really something I'm in deep in the trenches of healing right now and um, taking a really hard look into my maternal lineage. And I just keep understanding and learning things about myself on another level, specifically within the realm of family constellation therapy. 
but I haven't touched much on the father wound, mostly because it's been out of my peripheral view for some time now. And, and it's, it's been one of the greatest journeys of healing I have ever gone through. And it was deeply painful going through that for that, you know, I think I was on a journey. Well, to be honest, I have always dealt with my father wound and had issues with my relationship with my dad before any other relationship in my life. So arguably you could say that I've been trying to work on this my entire life, but really actively healing it in a responsible way um, and like doing my work probably for like two or three years. And as for as painful as it was, it was also one of the greatest journeys of healing I've ever gone through. And I was able to realize through healing the father wound that, well, I was able to realize a few things. The first thing I was able to realize that my father and my, I call him Poppy, um, he's always been in service to my greatest gifts. And I say that because I come from a long line of very intuitive people on my dad's side of the family. Um, my grandmother was like very intuitive. She was very religious, but she was deeply devoted to Mother Mary and Jesus and very spiritual in a religious sense. My dad followed suit with that, but my dad has a crazy sixth sense. And I think as he gets older, he doubts it a lot more, but when he was younger, I saw it a lot more. For example, when I was in college and I lived in San Francisco, he lived a couple hours south in the Central Coast. And I would, um, I had really, really bad health issues. Uh, I was on nasty ring and birth control and it was just messing up my kidneys and my organs and it was just slowly killing me. And I used to go to the emergency room often for kidney infections, kidney pain, kidney stones, bladder infections. I mean, you name it, I had it. And a handful of times at like two or three in the morning, he would literally wake up and text me or call me and say, I had a bad dream. Is everything okay? And I would be like, I'm literally in the emergency room right now. So he just knew things. He just had this sixth sense. So that's one of the ways that my father has really been in service to my greatest gifts. One of the other ways that my dad has been in service to me is he taught me what a healing journey looks like in the most unintentional way ever. And I find this to be true for many women their relationship with their fathers are the initial, I want to say not even, the initiations before you get into the mother wounds. And this is for a few reasons, and I have a few theories and schools of thought about this. Traditional psychotherapy tends to often look at the daughter's relationship to the father for daddy issues, attachment, security, like whatever. There's a lot of like the opposite sex comparison. But in family constellation therapy, we actually look at the same sex parent first. And what that means is for me, 
I was in traditional psychotherapy for most of my life since I was five years old on and off. And my therapist would always want to talk about my dad. And I had a lot of issues with my dad. And I was always willing to talk about it because it was obvious what the issues were. And I had not yet realized I was entangled and enmeshed with my mom. And I was staying stuck in some very unhealthy patterns with my mom to bond and belong with her because my relationship with my dad was so unhealthy and I felt so broken in that relationship that the thought of not belonging to another parent, meaning both my parents, was so devastating as a child because as children, our parents are our only form of survival that I stayed in those unhealthy patterns with my mom to survive because it was too painful for me to basically say, mom, this also feels unhealthy to me. I don't want to engage in this anymore. I just, I just continued the pattern. But every therapist that I went to in traditional talk therapy made it really easy for me to open up about my dad because that's what they do. They look at the opposite sex parent. Well, I also had, you know, some birds chirping in my ear at home and friends who had issues with their dads. And so I was like, you know, fuck this relationship, basically. This is, this is, I hate this relationship. I, you know, whatever story I was telling myself. So I went through all these years of trying to heal, you know, all of the effects of what I felt from my relationship with my dad. And it wasn't until about a year ago when I had finally felt for the first time in my life completely free and unattached to the, um, the, the trauma responses in my body and in my brain to my dad. And a lot of that has to do with my boyfriend. He has a very healthy relationship with the masculine and with the feminine and within himself. And he always gave me such a, such a beautiful perspective and a wide lensed perspective on how to, how to have, how to give my dad the benefit of the doubt, how to see things from his point of view. And just whenever I would have moments of fear or interaction with my dad, and I had these perceived fears that would come up, he would just give me some incredible awareness and perspective that made me really step back and be like, huh, okay, yeah, totally see it that way. Didn't even realize that. And through that process, it was just a bunch of baby steps until I got to this place where I was like, you know what? I love and accept my dad for who he is. And he did the best he could. And I really don't feel like I'm getting all worked up all the time in my relationship with him anymore. I can see myself as separate from him. I can see his nervous system. I'm going to get into this separate from myself and I can regulate myself and yeah, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm seriously good. I can have a relationship with my dad and everything feels fine. So because I learned that process over a very long period of time, when I started to heal the mother wound, I remember telling Tyler, I don't want to do with my mom what I did with my dad. I learned so much about myself in healing the father wound and I would really regret not, I would really regret doing those things I did with my dad, with my mom while I'm healing this stuff. I'll give you an example. I 
did not have a very close relationship with my dad in healing all of this because a lot of space felt more safe to me than being close with him while I healed things. But I went a little too far into the spectrum and basically didn't ever reach out to my dad. Didn't really talk to him, was afraid to kind of have a relationship with him and didn't really engage on my end in having a relationship with him. I kind of just let him choose when he wanted to talk to me and when he didn't. So that was an example of one thing that I realized about myself in healing the father wound that I didn't want to do with the mother wound. So even though I'm healing all this stuff with my maternal lineage and my mom, I am choosing to stay in a place of love with her and see her as her own person with her own story and her own situations and her own experiences and her own stuff. And I'm trying my hardest to view those things as separate but impactful ways that that like influenced my life and not get so enmeshed in the pain of it all i'm trying my best to have a lot of boundaries with it so that's one of the ways that that i've learned that my father's been in service to me and the mother wound has been the hardest thing for me to look at i will eventually do a podcast episode about the mother wound but for now i will say it has been one of the hardest things for me to look at but in healing the mother wound my relationship with my dad has gotten better. In short, my dad is the reason I understand what it means to have a big heart like I do. I will never forget, my dad always used to say growing up in with family and with your boyfriends, girlfriends, relationships, whatever, but especially with family, think with, with your heart, not with your head. Think with your heart and not with your head. And he's right. Like, and it's a difficult decision to do that, but he is so right. And it was in that that I started to see this side of him come forward of a very heart-centered person who has a lot of love. Granted, the biggest issue I had with my dad is that the way he wanted to show me love wasn't the way I wanted to receive it, but it was love nonetheless. And that is a huge awakening that I had. So my dad's big heart, it lives in me. And I love big. I just have always been a really big lover. And a part of my journey has been accepting that I will probably always be the bigger lover in any relationship or friendship or even family relationship that I'm in. I will always love big. And maybe that's my role. And maybe that's here to be in service to other people who've never experienced that. In which case, I'm so happy to be of service to people in that way. But just like my way of giving and receiving love looks different from, for example, my boyfriend's, doesn't mean that there isn't love there. I'm just learning to love him in the way that he needs it. And he is learning to understand that I show love in a different way, but it's still love nonetheless. My dad is also the reason I feel really deeply connected to the whole world. From a young age, my dad gave me an amazing opportunity to travel the world, to see the world, to have access to different cultures, 
I'm half Lebanese, so I was raised in, you know, I was raised in America, I'm half American, but oh, I'm American by birth, you know, nationality, but like blood-wise, German-American and Lebanese, but my dad is the reason that I got to experience a, a level of acceptance of people in this world. Like, I met so many different people from his businesses that he was in or the business that he started, people from different cultures and different foods. And I heard different languages growing up. And I had this really expansive curiosity around the world and traveling. And to this day, my dad is still the number one person who encourages learning about other cultures, traveling, learning languages. I mean, the guy knows like seven languages. And it used to crack me up when I was a kid that I remember we had a Filipino guy come over for dinner. He was like a coworker, or like an employee of my dad or something. And he came over and my dad said, as soon as he walked in the door, he greeted him in Tagalog. And like, I was like, how do you even, how do you even know this language? I've never heard you speak it in my life. We used to meet Italians and he would say something. We used to have Armenian friends. They would speak in Armenian. Like, I don't even know how he knew all these languages, but because my dad is such an immigrant in so many different ways. I mean, he's, he left Lebanon, then he left France, came to the U.S. He's traveled all these places. Now he's moved to Italy. Like he is such a world traveler that like, I feel so lucky that my dad was able to show me the world, you know, and, and see the world through his eyes, which was beautiful. So my dad, even in our hardest moments, and I'm going to get to those, has always been in service to my literal most profound growth. So I want to talk a little bit about what the father wound is and the terminology, and then I'm going to get into some of the more nitty gritty examples of how the father wound showed up for me. And I really want to talk about this from a generational perspective, because I think this is one of the most important things that I like to touch on and educate people on is that when you're healing the mother wound or the father wound or even the sister wound or any relationship in your life, it is incredibly important to understand the stories of the people that you come from. And it's important to understand other people's stories so you have an idea of what molded and shaped them into the person that they are today. That leads you back to a lot of compassion and understanding. And eventually, hopefully, the goal is back to love, which is what heals the most. So the father wound is a term used to describe the emotional pain and trauma that can arise from a dysfunctional or absent relationship with one's father. Now I have to preface this. This dysfunctional or absent relationship with one's father can exist on a very wide and varied spectrum. You have everything from emotional dysfunction and emotional absence to physical dysfunction, physical absence, and everything in between. There is no black or white label or a hard and fast rule on what signifies you having the father wound, in my opinion. There's always a textbook definition of the mother wound, the father wound, but I think in general, when I'm dealing with clients that have the father wound or when I'm looking at my own father wound, I look at it as where are the places in my life that I needed my father and I didn't feel him there. And it left an empty, open wound in my heart and wherever other chakra it left. And I've been trying to fill it ever since. And that can exist on a very 
wide spectrum. So try not to put yourself, if you're identifying with the father wound, in a box, right? Because your nuanced, unique experiences with your very unique father and you as a unique person, it all is your own story weaved together. And it's actually a disservice to your healing to put it into a box. So here's an example of the father wound in my life that is probably the most easy to explain and the easiest to identify with for you to understand maybe in a sense why this is so varied on a spectrum. My dad, God bless him, is the ultimate provider. I mean, he created such a beautiful life for my family and we lived very comfortably. Like on the outside, when you looked at my family, we lived in a very nice zip code with nice cars, a nice house, nice clothes. You know, I mean, we lived a life that not many people get to live. And that was very important to him as a father. On the inside, there was a lot, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of dysfunction and turmoil, but on the outside, it was important to him to provide for our family. And in many ways, even in ways I could not appreciate as a child, my father was a wonderful dad. My dad was very inclusive and he used to basically like make plans on the weekends. He would go golfing with my uncle or his friends. He would go to my grandparents' house. He'd go shopping at Neiman Marcus. Like he'd want to go to lunch. He'd want to walk on the beach. He'd want to go do this, that, that. And he was always like, Catherine, come with me. Catherine, come with me. Catherine, come with me. And growing up, I would always be excited to spend time with my dad because we were always going and doing something fun. We used used to have a house in Palm Springs, like a family home. And he used to drive, he used to take me in his Porsche because he knew how much I love cars. And we would drive on all the windy roads together down to Palm Springs and we would go golfing and he got me golf lessons. And if I wanted to play soccer, he would like, my dad was just very inclusive and just wanted us to have a very fun childhood. I would say now that as an adult, I wish I would have seen that in my younger years, but I sadly did not. The father in a family, the father figure in a family system It often represents a symbol of authority, protection, and guidance, and his presence or his absence can deeply impact one's psychological and emotional development. So healing the father wound involves recognizing and addressing the underlying emotional pain and trauma of our fathers, so there's one piece of it, as well as working to cultivate a sense of connection and understanding with one's father or father figure. And that is the thing that my dad and I did not do very well growing up at all, is the way we connected. We just could never see eye to eye on anything. And in many ways, my dad treated me like an adult at a very young age, and I was not emotionally mature enough to meet anyone, let alone my dad at that level. And my dad didn't really have boundaries. So I was, I was in a constant battle of seeing the world through a child's eyes versus being forced to see it as an adult. 
This included having inappropriate conversations about my parents' marriage without me needing to be involved at all, you know, or um, being involved in their arguments. I was oftentimes like a messenger between my parents. Go ask your dad this. Go ask your mom this. Figure it out. Ask your mom. I don't care. Do, you know, it was like, bah. it was like ping pong. And I could never really rely on anyone emotionally. I was just kind of like, shit, okay, well, you know what? I'm tired of this, so I'm just going to go hide in my room because I don't want to be like a ping pong ball for anyone anymore. So in many ways, in most ways, if not all the ways, I was not ready or well-equipped. Or even, I'm going to go as far as to say, I was not even aligned to see the world in the way that my father did. I remember as a kid, we were driving in the car and um, I don't know where we were going, but we were driving from my house to somewhere. I, I see this like as if it was yesterday. And my dad's like, you give me anxiety. And I remember I looked at him and I said, I don't give you anxiety. I'm not responsible for your anxiety. If you have anxiety, that's on you. I think I was like 10 years old. And he was like, no, you give me anxiety. You do this and you do that. And, blah, 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 blah. and he was like going off. And I just sat there and I was like, oh my God, I have the power to hurt other people with with like my words or I hurt my dad or, oh, I feel shame. And it was just like, we were constantly saying hurtful things to each other. And we were always doing it from a place of fear. And I will say that most of the time, my dad and his stuff that he was kind of projecting onto me was, a lot of it was rooted in my parents' really unhappy marriage. I was very relieved when they got divorced. I was 22 or 23 when they got divorced. But I didn't recognize that as a child. I had no clue. I had no clue. I thought that when my dad got mad at me, it was because I was a bad person. You know, my dad and I, he used to try to help me with my homework. And he would get really frustrated with me because I wasn't good at math. And I wasn't logical. And I was this emotional, artistic, creative little kid. And math was very, very hard for me. And I was failing all my classes and he would get frustrated with me that I didn't understand how to do like addition or, you know, like I remember one time I got straight B's, like B as in dog on my report card, but I thought they said B as in boy. So I was like, oh, Poppy, I'm, I'm so, I think I wrote a note and I put it on the fridge and I was like, Poppy, I'm so sorry I got straight B's on my report card. I'll try for A's next time. And he was like, he grabbed the note off the fridge and he was like, you think you got B's? you got D's. That's even worse. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm a failure. So it was just like, we did not understand each other. And honestly, nor did we really know how to. My dad was a entrepreneur dealing with five kids and a marriage that was always falling apart and never really felt stable and his family and providing for the family. And we both saw the world in our own unique ways and we were too set in our own ways to step into the other person's shoes. And I didn't have the emotional maturity to do that. And I don't think he did either. And that's something I had to accept. So with my dad, it was just rupture after rupture after rupture after rupture. And neither of us had knowledge at all on the impact of what repair even was. I mean, it wasn't until my relationship with my boyfriend where I really had to understand how to come back from conflict. And I'll never forget, my boyfriend and I were like barely dating, had just started dating or like we're barely dating. And we kind of got in like a, like a little tiff with, we've never really had like a big fight, maybe like 
one or two we've had like arguments but never like a big fight but this was like when we this was at the point where we had never had conflict before really and i was like kind of being a little passive aggressive like quiet and he sent me an article about nonviolent communication and i read it and i was like oh that's how you're supposed to come back from an argument with someone like I had no fucking clue I had no clue like no one taught me conflict and repair like growing up like growing up if you had conflict with someone with my mom it was like if you had conflict with her it was like really uncomfortable silence passive aggressiveness on both ends you could feel her anger and but she she wouldn't talk about it and you were just wondering for days like (laughs) Is she still mad at me? Is she not? Like, I'm just so confused. I'm just going to go hide in my room until she says, you know, she smiles or until she shows me that she's like, okay. And then with my dad, it was like, he would explode for like five minutes. And then at the end of those five minutes, he'd be like, oh, but I love you so much. Let's go, let's go have dinner together. And so as a kid, I was like, the fuck is going on here? What is actually happening like you don't talk about your feelings you explode your feelings on me and you look happy that we just had an argument and like with my dad I would literally sit there and he would be like laughing it off and he'd be like laughing about the conflict we just had and I would be like it seems genuine he seems fine that we're not arguing anymore, but my nervous system and my brain are still in fight or flight mode and I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> so that was very triggering for me. Whereas with my mom, if there was conflict, at least there was a lot of space. So I had time to regulate myself eventually, but then it was like more time would go on and I'd be like, okay, are we actually fighting or are we not anymore? How do you feel? I don't know how you feel. I'm fine. Are you fine? Like it was just so chaotic so I love that I love that I get to look at it from this perspective now because even with my mom who I'm like really in the trenches of dealing with a lot of stuff from my childhood and my lineage I can still laugh about it because because my dad was so much in service to how I deal with healing my relationships with my parents that I can still kind of just laugh about it and be like it is what it is like that's what happened and I don't take it personally anymore but like now I got to heal all the repercussions from it but basically like going back to my dad like each of us had these fires of conflict with each other and they were fueled by outside voices and opinions you know his family would have opinions on how our relationship should be. My mom would have, you know, opinions about how our relationship should look like. And they were both very opposite. And eventually my dad and I just grew apart, not because of the other people's opinions and outside voices, although they did have a big impact. But I will say at the end of the day, like we definitely became comfortable with a lot of space away from each other and very little communication. And a lot of it was on my doing, mostly because it felt safe to be away from the chaos. And I will say like, when you have a parent who's more passive aggressive or like more like quiet about conflict, it's really easy to just like gloss right over it and be like, oh, like it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not really affecting me. Like I still go about my day you know, she's mad, but like, she'll get over it and we'll be fine. And at least she's not saying anything hurtful, you know, or at least like she's not getting in my face. 
or at least like I, she leaves me alone, right? With a dad who has a very different way of dealing with conflict or communication, it's very in your face, very disruptive, very chaotic, very extreme, very impulsive. And you're just like, holy fuck, how do I deal with this? So naturally I just rejected that before I rejected the opposite spectrum of that, which isn't, no, neither way of dealing with conflict is any healthier than the other. It's just different. And they both have different repercussions. So the father wound was just a lot of me and my childhood rejecting my dad, running from my dad, getting pissed at my dad, not communicating with him, not agreeing with him, seeing the world differently than him. I mean, we still to this day, like he's still religious. I'm not religious at all. Like I come from a Catholic family and I have some good foundational relationships with like Mother Mary and Jesus Christ and saints and God and angels, like love that I grew up in a Catholic home. You know, I don't regret that at all because it set a beautiful foundation for me. But as of today, I don't identify as Catholic. Um, and that really hurts my dad. But we've gotten to a place where we can accept that about each other. You know, if, if he, if, if I really told him what I believe in about spirit babies and all the things I believe in, he'd probably just like croak. But, you know, it's that's that's what makes me me is I get to be my own person and have my own sense of self. And that's the journey I've been on healing from the father wound and also from my mom. And I, I want to touch on something around that. I said earlier that I was going to touch on this nervous system bonding and belonging with my dad. And my dad has a very, very unique story. And this is where I really want to touch on on where my dad comes from and, and understanding his story gave me so much compassion for him and so much love for him eventually. And it was a slow and gradual process, but eventually I got to a place where I was able to really see him and see his inner child very, very, very clearly. And my dad at eight years old was, he is the youngest of five. His oldest brother died at nine years old, and he was the youngest of the five, but one had passed, and they were living in Lebanon, born and raised in Lebanon, and my dad was kind of always like the golden child. He was like my grandpa's favorite, and my dad was always called handsome growing up. He had big blue eyes and dark hair and long eyelashes and just very, very good-looking kid, very handsome very, everyone used to call him pretty. They would think he was a girl, he said. Like, and he really loved his looks. Like his looks were very important to him as a kid because he was genuinely like a really good looking kid. So when he was eight years old, living in Lebanon, him and uh, my grandparents and my aunts and uncles, my aunts and uncle were on the balcony having breakfast. And the first bomb that started the civil war off in Lebanon landed on the sidewalk in front of their home. And the shrapnel, I actually visited, if you can believe in 2005. So that bomb went off in 1975, 72, I want to say. And I went to Lebanon in 2005 and I went to their childhood home and I shit you not, the sidewalk still had a giant hole in it from the rocket that landed there back in the 70s. So that bomb landed, that rocket landed in the sidewalk and where did the shrapnel go? But up into the balcony where they were all having breakfast. At eight years old, 
my dad literally went into survival, life, and death. My dad is paralyzed on one side of his face from the shrapnel, severed his nerves, and he has a piece of shrapnel in his heart. So he can't even get like a EKG or like any kind of MRI or any kind of um, like a magnetic like things done on his body to like rip the shrapnel out of his heart. It's fucking terrifying. I can't even imagine what that's like. My uncle, his older brother, um, basically was in a coma for 48 hours at 12 years old. And, and basically at 12 years old had to decide like, if I live, what am I going to do with my life at 12 years old? My aunt, one of my aunts who has since passed from breast cancer, she had shrapnel in her hands that caused severe arthritis and some deformities in her hands. And my oldest, the oldest aunt, although she had no physical injuries, I do believe to this day that she has a lot of survivor's guilt in some ways and very, very protective of herself, which of course she would be, right? Like anyone would be. I'm not judging. It's just kind of an observation. So my, my dad goes through this super traumatic thing when he's eight years old. And basically wakes up and realizes his brother, his only brother, is in a coma. And he is no longer the handsome little boy that he always got called. And my grandpa was like, we can't stay here anymore. Like, we have to leave. We have to leave. There is like, we can't be in Lebanon anymore. And they lived a very difficult life after that. They went from living a very comfortable, wealthy life in Lebanon to moving to Cannes and France, then moving to Paris. And my brother, my, my dad and his brother went to boarding school. And I can't imagine what it's like being a kid and you go through this super traumatic thing with your family. Then you get shipped off to a boarding school where you probably don't want to be. You probably want to be with your mom and your dad and your siblings. And my dad and my uncle, like they bonded, they trauma bonded just so much with each other. They're like, I feel like my uncle and my dad are like father and son more than they are like brothers. And they had to protect each other and stay close. And they just went through this really, really traumatic experience. And then they came to the US and obviously a lot of things got better, but that survival mode never left. So at eight years old, we know that between zero and 10, more so zero and five, but zero and 10, are some of the most formidable years of our lives, not only in our minds emotionally, but in our bodies. And the things that we experience in our bodies during that time can mold and shape us for the rest of our lives. So my dad, since eight years old, has lived in fight or flight, fawn or freeze, every single day, I believe, since he was eight years old, and I don't know that he's ever experienced total peace. He has really bad heart issues, or he did. Lots of stress, battled with melanoma, doesn't sleep, is on a bunch of medications. And it hurts me to watch him like that because all I want to do is be like, okay, listen, I know you've got years of this stuff stacked up and it might take time for you to get off medication. But if we just learn to regulate your nervous system, I wonder what would happen but it's like speaking gibberish. There's a little bit of that miscommunication still that happens between us. 
But shit, I don't know. I've never really said that point blank to him. So I wonder what his response would be. I can just hear Tyler, my boyfriend. You should try. See what he says. You never know. Like, he's so optimistic. But as a kid, so when, so that explains a lot about how me as a child watching my dad in pure chaos and dysfunction and live in that, that is what was projected onto me, not only emotionally, but epigenetically. Because I believe that bomb and what happened and the noise and the chaos and all of that, it changed him on a biological level. And that got passed down to me and my siblings. And when we're children, the ways we learn to communicate and connect and bond and belong with our parents, a huge part of that comes from nervous system regulation. And if our parents are able to co-regulate with us, or if we are in constant, in a constant race of catching up with our parents, because as kids we're born secure, right? And so we learn to communicate, move, walk, talk, all these different ways of being through our parents. And if our parents are in a completely dysregulated state, we start to view those things as normal because we know nothing else. So I believe that I learned how to connect with my dad through dysregulation. And because I was a child moving from regulation to dysregulation more and more and more with every year I became older, I learned more and more how to develop a more dysregulated nervous system. And it was just, it's like a layer, you know, every time you get older and a new experience, it just it's like deep seated in you, you become more dysregulated and you move away from that security and that regulation. So I learned, I learned how to connect with my dad through chaos and dysfunction, but I knew deep down that wasn't for me. I knew that wasn't the right way to do things, but it was the only way. And eventually, because it became too painful and too scary and too uncomfortable and too chaotic, I just shut him out completely. Now, arguably, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction here because it's all going to make sense in a second. I started my first business when I was 21 years old. I was in the fashion industry. And I went to my dad and I said, I want to start a business. And I did. It was a denim company. I did women's, I made designed and produced women's jeans. And arguably I did that for my dad's approval, seeking connection with him. And I for sure married my ex-husband to seek my father's approval. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't think that was a secret to anyone. And I have no shame in admitting that. And I don't fault my dad for it because my dad is not responsible for my choices. I am. And I think it's really common, maybe not to the extreme of starting a business or getting married to someone, but I think it's common to do things out of authenticity in your 20s, in your teens. I mean, maybe even in the later years of your life, but definitely in those more formidable years where you're learning and growing and understanding who you are, it's common to do stuff like that. 
you know, you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, but you also still seek your parents' approval and you're also kind of still relying on your parents for survival. You're not yet your own person. I mean, that's just part of life. It's just, you know, I, I could sit here and have a lot of shame for it, but what would that do? You know, it, it really, it, it just keeps me stuck. So I really, 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 really had to work hard on releasing any shame about my past, accepting it for what it was, seeing it through a different pair of eyes that are a little bit healthier and less toxic and chaotic, and just accept, really, truly. And so a lot of my life, I would... I would, you know, and I'm paraphrasing years of inner turmoil, but I would think things like maybe if I just listen to my dad and let him help me with things, like maybe he really does know what's better for me. Like he is older, he has more life experience, he's been through a shit ton of stuff. Like maybe, you know, maybe it's my fault we have a bad relationship. Like he always wants so much control in my life and he always wants me to do this and do that. And he always wants to have an opinion and he always wants to sway me in a really specific direction. Like maybe I should just give in, you know, like maybe maybe I should just go work in the family business. Like I do really need help right now with, you know, financially, I need a job. My business isn't working out. Like, okay, I'll settle for working in the family business. It seems fun. It pays well. He makes sure that I have, you know, benefits and whatever, like ultimate privilege. Cool. I'll do it. Maybe if I do these things, like he'll finally approve of me and he'll stop hurting my feelings. So I went on to continue to live a life I thought he wanted me to live and was in a constant battle with myself. So of course, in every healing or meditation or intuitive reading I got done, my dad was always a topic of conversation, especially in my twenties. It's like the first thing they would say is, all right, so I know you're here to talk about your like career or like your purpose, but like, I feel like we really need to talk about your dad. And granted, I had a, I got a lot of awareness around my relationship with my dad during those times, but I really felt like nothing truly started helping or healing until I did family constellation therapy. So I have spent quite literally the last three years doing family constellations about my dad, but not just about my dad, like about my paternal family and their lineage. I have done things, I have put the war and the bomb into a constellation. I have put my aunts and my uncles into a constellation. I put my dad into a constellation. I put my dad's brother who died at nine into a constellation. Like I put my grandparents into a constellation and I have done it. I have literally done over a hundred family constellations in the last three years and easily 80% of them were about my dad and his family and their lineage. But more importantly, what I learned about myself and what I learned about family constellation therapy and what I learned about my dad's family is what happened to them and how it ended up affecting me. And that's why I give you the example of the nervous system. That's what happened to them. Their nervous systems were completely destroyed at a young age. And they, they, they cherish the hustle culture and the survival and the, you know, the lion eats the lamb mentality. Like they love that shit, but that's how they survived. But that doesn't mean that I have to live my life in the same way. And a huge part of me healing the father wound is accepting that I don't see the, the world the same way that they do. I don't because it's not my experience. I was born in 
La Jolla, California in a cute little hospital. And I went home with my cute mom and my cute dad. And I lived in a cute little condo. And I grew up in you know a big house and had everything I wanted. Like I didn't have the reality that they have. I'm very grateful, extremely grateful. But it was almost like I lived in two different realities growing up. And there were people in my family who almost unintentionally shamed me for living a comfortable life when they didn't. And I had a lot of shame about that. Like, oh shit, am I supposed to struggle and survive just to be accepted in my family? Do I not belong in my family if I don't struggle to survive? Like, oh, like, I guess I'm really like not a good person. Like, I guess I am lazy. I guess I am. Yeah, I guess I'm just like, I guess I just give up because like my life has been so easy and theirs hasn't. But again, I didn't have the awareness to understand what happened to them and how it ended up affecting me. So I still battle to this day beliefs around the father wound that I have within myself of I don't have to survive and hustle and struggle to live a beautiful life. I just don't. I can live comfortably within my means. I can have a great career. I can have a great relationship and marriage one day. I can have all my babies. I can live successfully. I can be a woman who's successful and makes money. And I can live a comfortable life and still feel worthy. Like I can still belong. And I still struggle with that. And what I ended up discovering about my my dad's family, and if you've done a family constellation with me, you'll understand a lot of these terms, but I discovered things like birth trauma, war trauma, financial trauma, emotional and physical abuse, marriage trauma, immigration trauma, mental illness, cancer, early deaths, eating disorders, and one of the biggest ones is suppression of the feminine. Very Middle Eastern cultural. So I had quite a lot to unpack, truly. That's why I spent three years doing it. When it's just with family constellation therapy. And most of my journey was just even allowing myself to repeat these things to another human being. And so my dad used to say, like, don't air your dirty laundry outside the family. We don't, we don't air our dirty laundry outside the family. You know, like, don't, we don't do that. And as I got older and I got into this work, I started realizing, what if the dirty laundry is actually the shit we need to be paying attention to? Like, what if everyone who's so afraid of judgment of the dirty laundry actually just needs a lot of love and acceptance and healing from their situation? Like, what if the dirty laundry is the gateway to the healing that nobody wants to do? And then began my personal journey and connecting with my soul and understanding what my role is in relation to my paternal lineage. And it was a rude awakening. I will never forget I had a reading with this woman named Kelly White. She's actually the person that introduced me and my cousin to Carrie, my mentor, who introduced me to family constellation therapy. And I remember this clear as day. It was like five years ago. I was sitting in my bed at my dad's house and I was doing this reading and she goes, you're here. Your soul is here to clean up your family's 
stuff. You're here to heal your family. And I scoffed and I said, you don't know my family. My family would never let me help them heal. And she goes, no, no, you will. And you're going to do it with family constellation therapy. You should check out Carigonia. And I literally scratched off the words on the paper in my journal, completely ignored it, and was like, this woman has no clue what she's talking about. My family doesn't give a shit about anything I say. Half the time, my, my dad's side of the family thinks I'm a horrible daughter because I don't have a good relationship with my family, like with my dad. There was like a period of time where like there was a lot of death in our family and I felt like really ostracized from my family and just basically like rejected. And there was like this whole thing. And I was, and it, I, I always have that in the back of my head. Like, are they still thinking about that? Like, God, like I felt like that was so fucked up. And I was like, these people don't even like me. Like I really, at that time in my life was like, I don't think people in my family like even like me. And so I just thought it was a joke. I just thought it was a joke. I was like this, there's no way. And in my life, the ways that the father wound really showed up for me, I'm going to list now a handful of, um, a handful of ways that the father wound manifested for me. And I know that I've gone into a lot of personal stories, but this is, this is really directly related to like what happens in the father wound. Um, so you may, you may resonate with some of this. So when healing the father wound, this is what came up for me. I had an eating disorder for 12 years. My dad arguably struggles with his relationship to food. I believe that comes from war trauma. You know, the chaos incited this deep, deep need for control. And the easiest way to do that is with food. I felt a lack of emotional safety. That's obvious. I've talked about that in, in the ways I even connected with my dad and our nervous systems and the way we spoke to each other. I battled with my own extreme emotions and disorganized attachment. I had a lot of pressure on myself to perform and be perfect. I heard a lot of this growing up. You don't give up. You're either the worst or you're nothing. You're number one or you're no one. You're the worst or you're the best. It doesn't matter. I had a lot of issues around worthiness. Um, I had an interesting relationship to money, given the fact that I grew up in a very like uh, well-to-do home. I still didn't feel worthy of taking money from people. I felt that I only could get money from my dad and that if I ever wanted to be successful, it would only come from my dad. So me leaving my family's business and going off to start my own business two years ago or a year ago and make my own money has been very healing for my relationship to money. There's, there's a lot of the suppression of the feminine there too, right? Women traditionally relied on men to provide for them. I was doing that with my dad. I literally had the belief I will not be successful without my dad giving me money. And I'm still working through that. <laughs> Very vulnerable. I felt unworthy of love. And this is where traditional psychotherapy comes into play with the relationship of opposite sex in parent-child dynamics. But my dad wasn't really present emotionally with me a lot. And when he was, like I said, it was requiring me to be an adult when I was still a child. I felt very disconnected from him emotionally. And my dad traveled a lot because he was the provider and he would spend Monday through Friday 
traveling on the road trying to take his company public and and be successful and provide for my aunts my grandparents my uncle like they were all my uncle and my dad started the business together but they were all trying to provide for each other and then here's my dad at the time with like three or four kids five on the way and he just felt a lot of pressure but he was never really around you know and he would come home friday night or saturday morning he'd stay for two days and then he'd be gone again so i felt a lot of rejection a lot of rejection and i didn't know what a stable healthy relationship with a man always looked like so i didn't know what the standard should even be for men you know it was i didn't even know what what to look for I felt often that my dad would say to me in a roundabout way that I was a reflection of him and that my failures made him look like a failure. And that was really, really hard for me. A lot of codependency, again, I think that comes from just the war trauma, a lot of enmeshment. Um, his own unhealed mother wound and father wound, which is very common um that addiction to hustle culture and i think there was a lot of just like inability to slow down and rest i felt very um guilty for like not being an overachiever and i really at the same time was seeking a lot of external validation and so the ways that I've had to heal, and there's there's more, some I'm not ready to open up about, and some just take time to still heal through, but I eventually healed all of this through forgiveness, but I had to work through all of the deep family patterns of walls and like sweeping things under the rug and not like airing out the dirty laundry. And eventually I got to this place where I just learned to accept my dad for who he is and not wish that he was any different because the more I wished for him to be different than who he was, the more I just kept poking myself, burning my own hand. It's like I was angry that my dad wasn't the person I needed him to be all the time. So I just kept getting upset at him when in reality, he couldn't help it. He did the best that he could. And he knew that he did the best that he could. He would say that I'm doing the best I can. You know, I've got a lot of shit on my plate. I'm doing the best I can. And as kids, we're natural selfish narcissists. <laughs> we think everything's about us. So there was a disconnect there. But I also started to understand that my dad was the, the way with me, the same way he, my grandpa was with him and my dad and I actually had a really heart to heart conversation back in like January. And he told me like, I treated you and raised you the way that Jiddo, which means grandpa in Lebanese, that Jiddo raised me. And you know, it's very traditional. And I understand there's some things about the way that you, you were raised that you didn't like that were traditional and you would do it differently. And it seemed that he was saying, in a roundabout way, if I knew differently, I would have done it. And you have to, you just, you have to take that for what it is. You have to accept, you have to see that as his way of, of offering peace and asking for forgiveness. You know, like he may not have said the words, I'm sorry, but in a roundabout way, you can see he's like, I did the best I could. I'm, if I knew better, I would have. 
So my heart, my heart started to open more. The more healing I did, the more my heart started to open. And, and that's when I started to realize that my greatest gifts came from my biggest challenger. And I started to see the love that my dad had for me, despite how it felt growing up. And I really learned to trust myself more because I could start to separate what was his and what was mine. And learning about the nervous system was a game changer for this for me. I started to realize I would sit across from my dad and I would see him getting all dysregulated and worked up. And I would be, I would be confused. Like, wait, wait a second, what happened? He's getting so worked up about this and I don't even know where this is coming from. I feel totally fine. And I would find my body, my body would literally on its own without consciousness start to regulate myself to his body and his dysfunction. And it was a deep practice of taking a deep breath and in my mind saying, he can have his experience. I'm going to have mine. I don't need to attune myself to him in order to feel connected with him. I'm going to come back to love. And many times I would give him a hug or I would hold his hand and say, Poppy, I'm sorry, this must be really hard for you. I love you. Thank you for being such a great dad. And the more I did that, even if I was like biting my tongue because I was so triggered or so annoyed, he would always relax. It was like the medicine that he needed, that our relationship needed. And I'm going to tell you this with full honesty. It took me my entire 32 years on this earth. I'll say 31 because it happened in my 31 year, but it took me 31 years to learn how to do that because I had moments when I was younger where I wanted to do that and I would be so angry and I would be so triggered and I would be so dysregulated. I wouldn't even know where to start. I would like want to hold his hand to calm him down and I would just start shaking because I was so nervous. It was so vulnerable for me to be like, Poppy, it's okay. Like, I, I don't even know. I, it was just triggering. It was so foreign. It was so foreign for our relationship. And, and also by learning to love him and see his inner child more and understand and have compassion for his story and who he was and what made him who he is, I learned to accept the ways that we were actually the same and the ways that we were different. And in accepting the ways we were the same, I had to learn to love myself more. And in the ways that we were different, I had to learn to love myself more. And so ultimately, we have a better and more mature relationship today, even, even when there's things that we don't see eye to eye on, like the religion. You know, I, 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 I said to him um, that I believed in like reincarnation, basically, or something like that. And he said, well, you don't want to go to church and you don't want to receive communion. And, and I said, that's fine. I don't care. I access Jesus in different ways. And he said, well, you don't, you don't want to go to heaven one day? And I just remember thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, like this, this is where we're different. This is okay. He's allowed to believe whatever he wants to believe. I'm not going to get triggered because I, I started realizing as much as I want to be accepted and loved for the things that I believe in. I bet you he wants to feel the same way too. And when I push his buttons and challenge him and fight him on things, it actually just makes him feel like shit. So like if I want love and respect for what I believe in, I'm going to give him the same thing. Now, arguably, as I'm saying this out loud, it sounds a bit like parentification, but that's not my intention. My intention 
is to give my father the benefit of the doubt and try to see things through his eyes, even if it pisses me off. So like I said, I finally got to see my dad for the little boy that he was before something wounded him, before the world got to him, before the bomb happened. And that's the moment I realized my father was just like me. At one point in his life, he was born and he was innocent and he was untouched by all of this trauma that he was going to face one day. And a part of me started to feel like I wish I would have been there to protect him and to see that little boy and to show him all the ways he was so loved and the ways he didn't have to be afraid. And so I realized that the pain that he caused me is just a reflection of the pain that was once caused on him. And that is when my heart completely opened and I just realized my dad gave me life. He gave me a beautiful life. He wasn't a perfect dad and that's okay. I don't need him to be perfect. In fact, the biggest challenges that we've had have made me the woman I am today. And now that I'm a conscious adult with the awareness that I have, I don't have to keep choosing to stay in a dysfunctional relationship with him because if I want the relationship to be different and I know that he doesn't always have the awareness to change it in the ways that I would hope that it would, I get to, I get to help that shift. I get to show up differently. And so it's been very interesting going through healing the mother wound, like I said, because I find myself thinking, I'm so glad my dad didn't do this when I was growing up. And I'll text him and say, Poppy, thank you so much for always including me in all of your plans growing up and helping me feel so included. I felt very lonely as a kid. I felt very abandoned at times and emotionally. And um, you always included me in plans. And I really appreciate that about you. And my dad has been completely reciprocal. He'll text me. I miss you so much. I can't wait to see you. I love you. Super supportive. Started asking me about my business. I started asking him questions about his life. Tell me why you married my mom or tell me, tell me, you know, what was the, what was it like with your relationship with your dad and your mom? Or what did this experience feel like for you? And I've really started to understand him on such a deep level. And, and my ego, let me tell you, it wants to fight. Everything inside of me wants to fight my heart. When my heart is like, oh man, like I just want to love my dad. Like I feel so bad. He like didn't really get to have like a childhood, you know? My ego was like, not your problem, not your circus, not your monkeys. And my heart is like, yo. Fine. You want to say not your circus, not your monkeys, but it ended up being your circus and your monkeys because, you know, take a look at your childhood. So you can either stay stuck in that dysfunction or you can rise above and find love. But that rising above and the love didn't come until I did my work. And it's interesting, right? Because there's so many schools of thought around this when healing, but there's a lot of people who are estranged from their families for good reason like good reason. I know people who are estranged from their families. They go no contact with their families. And you know what? It's for a good fucking reason because 
you know, I'll just say it's for good reason. But there are some of us that don't need to go. No contact. There's some of us that don't need to be estranged from our families. And in either scenario, I really believe this. This is this feels very controversial to say. It just does. But whether you're estranged from your family or whether you have a healthy, loving, and boundaried relationship with your family, I still think it's important to come back to love. I think it is incredibly possible to reach a place in your life where you are estranged from your family because it's healthier for you and you can still have a, even if it's on a spectrum, love for your family regardless of what you feel about them today. Maybe that's saying a lot. It feels like some people are going to fucking hate that. It sounds like some people are going to agree. But either way, that's what I believe. I believe that, in fact, I have seen it. I have a friend who is estranged from his family. He says, I can love my family from a distance. And loving my family from a distance means that I can understand their stories and what they went through. I can have love for, you know, their inner child. I can, the, the reason that I love them is that they gave me life. And that's about all I feel like I love them for, which is, which is fine enough, but I don't want to have a relationship with them. You can still find a sliver of love for your family. And in family constellation therapy, and this is why I resonate with this work so much, love is what moves you forward. The more you stay stuck behind the traumas of your family and you take them on as your own and you live them day to day and use them as excuses for the way that you are and you don't heal them, and you don't come back to self-love, and you don't come back to love for others. It just keeps you stuck. So whether that love is for yourself or for your family doesn't really matter. You just come back to love anyways. Come back to love of any kind. And, and that's what we believe moves energy forward. It helps you call in all the things that you want to experience in this lifetime. All of your truth, all of your gifts, all of everything. So that's, that's as much as I wanted to say about the father wound. I really wanted to tell you about my experience and share with you the definitions of what the father wound is. And I can only ever really speak from my experience. And hopefully through my experience, you have, you know, gained some insight through little nuggets or you learned something new about yourself. And I stay, I stand strong in my beliefs around love. And, and that's okay. I'm allowed to do that. And I accept and love you for your boundaries and what you believe about love. But at the end of the day, we are not responsible for what happens to us, but we are responsible for healing it. And I believe love helps us heal and move forward. Thank you so much for joining in on this week's episode of the Heal with Cat podcast. I pop in randomly whenever I feel divinely guided to, and this week was all about the father wound. And if you liked it and you resonated with the message, please subscribe to the podcast so you get the first update on when my next episode comes out. 
And also leave a review. Let me know what you thought or DM me on Instagram at heel underscore with underscore cat. And let me know what you thought. Share it with a friend. Share it on your stories. Share it with the world. We are all healing the father wound collectively. And it is time to rise into love together. Thanks so much for joining and I will see you next time.